So I just started going around the galleries. Maybe 50% of the artists showed interest, but maybe 10% of them really come to my shop. Slowly doing this. And uh, those artists who came here and made print, they, they you know, tell others. Friends, and welcome to the 53rd episode of Pine Copper Line, the internet's number one printmaking podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. I release weekly podcasts with people in the print world who are doing something a bit beyond the expected. So please subscribe on your podcast listening app of choice. You can also find Pine Copper Lime on Instagram and Facebook, and you can sign up for our monthly newsletter with print news from around the world, all at pinecopperlime.com. We also have a Patreon page, where, if you like PCL and you want to give us a buck or two every month, it really does help us keep the lights on, keep our spirits up, and keep printmaking chats in your ears. Printmaking forever shun the non-believers. My guest this week is Satoru Itazu. Satoru has been a collaborative lithographer for over three decades, running a compact studio on the outskirts of Tokyo, where he produces incredible high-end editions. Satoru is a generous teacher, and his Instagram is known for in-depth instructional videos and collaborations with artists from around the world. I was fortunate enough to visit him in his studio in 2014, and we got to share our love of printmaking and some delicious soba noodles. I was very happy to reconnect with him for this episode, where we talk about how his study of lithography took him from Japan to Washington State, to Tamron Institute, to Oregon, and finally back home before starting up his own shop. We dive into the love of lithography, the mystery of buried stones, and contemporary Japanese printmaking. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to romance the stone with Satoru Itazu. Hi Satoru, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm so happy that we were able to connect again. Um, yeah, it's been a few years. Time. Yeah, but I had the absolute pleasure of getting to visit you in your studio uh, just outside of Tokyo about I think we were saying maybe about five years ago somewhere around yeah. there I came mm -hmm. and visited you with my friend Katie who is living in Tokyo at the time and we got to see that beautiful neighborhood that you live in and your lithography studio and then I remember I think it was when we were leaving we passed by a beautiful temple and yep. the temple was having a celebration for people's pets. And so we left yeah. your studio and we came into this huge group of dogs wearing kimono. Like <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is a dream world. This is all I ever want. Yeah. yeah pet, pet cemetery near the temple. And then we went to the uh, noodle shop, ne? 
Of course, yes. I do remember the noodle shop as well. So I'm glad I can be there again with you virtually, Um, although too far from the noodles, unfortunately. But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm I'm really surprised that you started doing this podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I I knew you were in uh, lots of printmaking stuff before, but I was really surprised to see you doing this. Yeah, well, I've loved podcasts most of my life. Like, and (laughs) what I mean by that is, you know, even before there were podcasts, I used to stay home on Saturday nights to listen to the radio and radio stories and radio shows, which of course were before podcasts, things like This American Life and Radio Lab. And so I've always loved this form of storytelling and loved printmaking. So for me, yeah, it seemed like a really uh, natural combination for the two is how I ended up with it. Enjoying your doing what you're doing. Yes, I love it. I love it. Um, Yeah. So, well, before we dive into some other questions for you, could you please Mm -hmm. introduce yourself a little bit and tell people who you are and where you are and what you do. My name is Satoru Itazu and I have a lithography print shop here in Tokyo, just outside of the city. I've been printing for artists for a long time, Mm -hmm. 30 years, Mm -hmm. maybe more. I'm working basically myself in this little print shop. Last five years, I kind of involved in uh, university. Yeah, that's what basically printing for artists at home. And once in a while I go to university and and print with students. Yeah, and like we said, it's you live in a really beautiful neighborhood with like, it's very green. And like you said, you've got the pet temple there. And yep. so when when artists come to work with you, do they uh-huh. stay like a residency or do they just come for the day? How does that usually work? Uh, I don't really run a residency here. So basically they come the day mm-hmm. and uh, when they start drawing, maybe sometimes they work in a living room, mm-hmm. processing uh, uh, pra- uh, plates and, and printing in this shop. So I just, you know, it's not a really big shop. So, uh, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's because, yeah, as you said, it's um, the space of the shop isn't that big, but I feel like in Tokyo, nothing's that big. So, it's, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it seems to me just like a Tokyo-sized litho studio, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, I enjoy, you know, working in those very small spaces. Why is that? Maybe that's what the way I had to do. I, I wish I could move out to the bigger space, but um, maybe for for now it's okay with me. Yeah. You know, printing in a small space. Yeah, yeah, you're used to it. Yeah, and so you do beautiful work there. Yeah. Oh, thanks. So where did you grow up and... What role did art play in that time in your life? Ah, okay. Um, I 
I'm not really originally from Tokyo. I'm um, grew up in uh, it's called Gifu, which is um, maybe um, somewhere between here and Kyoto or Osaka, mm-hmm. and that's the area. Uh, they still make a good uh, Mino uh, Japanese paper. Oh, okay. So Mino region is very, you know, famous for uh, Japanese paper. But my family had nothing to do with the paper. Uh-huh. So, um, <laughs> so I got really nothing, um, you know, uh, my background as an artist or printing but back then. Yeah. So were you someone who, you know, as a young person, were you drawing a lot? Did you, uh, did your family take you to museums? Did you have anything like that in your life? Not really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably I never had any memory going to the museum when I was small. Mm. So uh, nothing really, you know, uh, I had nothing to do with art when I was growing up. Yeah. 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 So how did you come to art then? When I was 20, I decided to go to the U.S. Mm-hmm. just to see something new. Hmm. That's how it started. I, uh, I went to Seattle, and that was 1979. Mm-hmm. Then um, I, I went to the English schools and started going to the college and stuff. That's the time I start going to the uh, museum and um, started taking uh, some art classes at the college. Hmm. Yeah. And was that the University of Washington? No, or- no, that was a community college up in Edmonds. Oh, yeah, no? <laughs> North Seattle Community College. Yeah. 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 Amanda Knowles teaches there and she's a printmaker and they've actually ah. hosted some printmaking exhibitions and yeah, they still have uh, still have printmaking in their blood up at North Seattle Community College. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Um, and so it was there. So did you take your first printmaking courses um, at that college yeah. then? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's how I started doing um, um, art classes and also some uh, print printmaking classes i didn't know that i'm going that uh, direction hmm. you know back then but uh, I, that's that's how i started doing it when you were doing your printmaking was it kind of a little bit of everything were you doing intaglio and woodcut and lithography as well yeah maybe i just took a beginning course Mm-hmm. beginner's course for each of them and did uh, drawings and photography just in general courses there because hmm. uh, that was easier for me to take rather than other you know subject I could see though particularly if you're coming to the courses and you're someone who's not necessarily a native English speaker that hmm. if sitting through a lecture on Shakespeare might be more challenging and not as interesting as being in a class where you're making and there's such a visual component to it. So I right. could I could definitely see that being a richer experience at that point in your yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. So why was it Seattle? Was it just because it's sort of I close, like the, the closest well, maybe, city? Or? You know, I, I was thinking going to the States, maybe West, West Side is easier, mm-hmm. you know, much a little bit closer than East, East Coast. And um, yeah, Seattle sounded really nice to me. That's how, how I picked that city. Yeah. How long were you there? Uh, well, I think I was there about two years. Okay. And um, then I moved down to Oregon, mm-hmm. using Oregon to finish the university down there. Mm-hmm. Mm. And did you go on to like keep studying printmaking in Eugene? Yeah. Um, I, I, I did uh, printmaking at the University of Oregon there. Yeah. Yeah. And so at that point, did you really sort of realize that lithography was what you wanted to do? Because I know you eventually ended up at Tamarind. When I was uh, still in Seattle, there's one guy came to the class to teach lithography. His name is Dwight Coburn. And he had a little shop in the city of Seattle called Coburn Press, which is a lithography print shop. And it's a very small uh, shop in the basement of his house. When I was taking his class, he asked me to just come by to his studio and maybe I, you know, um, I can do a little help for him. So I went to his studio and, you know, sponging for the um, printing and sometimes graining some stones and things like that. That's how I start doing a lithography. That's the guy who kind of talked me to applying to Tamarind Institute. And so was was Dwight a collaborative printmaker or were you just helping him with yeah, his own work? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know. He's. He, I think he moved to somewhere, and I don't know where he is now. And <laughs> I don't know if he's still printing. Mm. But I had a. You know, that was a very interesting experience for me because I never seen something like this before. You know, of course, I didn't know anything about what's happening in terms of lithography in Japan. Then I moved down to Oregon for two years. And I think I came back to uh, help him again for a while. And then, and then from there, you went to Tamarind, right? How was that? Yeah, I was there in 1984. I don't have a much career as a, like a printing lithography. And uh, so I, you know, it was really amazing how, you know, Printers are printing in the shop at the Tamarind. That was mm-hmm. really amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so were you there for one year or two years? Um, I think I was there um, less than a year. I, you know, um, I don't know how the system works there, but um, um, I went to the second program. And I didn't uh, stay for a master program. Mm -hmm. So I think it's about one year. I'm not sure. Somewhere around one year there in New Mexico. Yeah. How did you like New Mexico and and Albuquerque? Oh, 
so different from Seattle. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> very dry down there. Yeah. And very wet up in Seattle. Yeah. So uh, that was very uh, big change in terms of landscapes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. The food is different and people are different. I really enjoy that there. Yeah, I feel like in terms of climate in the United States, it's hard to get much difference between the the Puget Sound and the Southwest. It's just <laughs> yeah. it's just the three hundred days of rain versus you know the just that dry <laughs> dry desert. But it's be yeah. so beautiful there. I I did my postgraduate work in Tucson, and I wow. still miss the desert. I'll I'll still look at you know, little run-down adobes that are for sale online and, and think about and, <laughs> and make little dreams about like, ah, oh, maybe when I come back to the States, I can do this. Because <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, I feel like that, that particular Southwest, uh -huh. it's a part of the world where, you know, some people it's just, in their blood and it just they just are drawn to it and it completely you know they fall in love with it and i think i was i was definitely one of those people some people you know they appreciate it but they can move on but i definitely have very fond memories of that part of the world and, <laughs> yeah. and i hear it's it's great for for printmaking because it's so dry um well yeah, it produces yeah. some some challenges but the actual storing of your work you don't have to worry about foxing you don't have to worry yeah. about mold yeah. Yeah, but it's it's too dry for printing on a stone or plate. You know, dries very fast. Right, you need to have a, a really good sponger <laughs> to keep up with there. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, after Tamarind, did you then mm -hmm. just decide to go back to Japan from there? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I didn't know anything about what's going on in Japan. So I wanted to know. You know. Um, if there are some print shop in Tokyo or something. So um, I moved to Tokyo. I started working for a big print shop in Tokyo. It's very big, you know, maybe 20 people working there. Oh, wow. They did lithography in Tario, and sometimes they did uh, screen printing. But uh, most of the uh, work that they are doing was, um, you know, um, reproduction work, and uh, which is uh, kind of big in uh, 80s in Japan. You know, they sell in the department stores. But unfortunately, I didn't see much artists coming to the studio. Yeah. I wasn't really happy. But, um, you know, th that's the first time I moved to um, Tokyo and um, I had much, I didn't have much choice. So I stayed there working for a couple of years mm -hmm. and then I got money to buy my own small little press. Mm. Then I, you know, decided to maybe just go on my own in, in a small rooms. I think I started my own 1987 or eight, yeah, somewhere around there. Was it difficult to find 
a litho press in Japan at that time? Well, there's a good um, manufacturer here. And um, yeah, so it's a really nice press. I, I found out later that there are some shops in Tokyo uh, doing original work too. Mm. So, um, you know, those um, materials, I didn't have any problem finding it, you know, even uh, including press and inks and uh, plates. So uh, I, that was lucky that, you know, I can go into my own business without much problem. You know, Tim and I both have lots of wonderful connections with printmakers in Thailand. And uh -huh. one of the big barriers for them is getting materials. Um, right. And so, you know, you'll have a lot of plate litho there just because uh -huh. there's just not a critical mass of stones in the country, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. to, to for mm -hmm. them to be easy to get. Yeah. 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 You know, basically I'm using a plate. You know, they, they sometimes they come like uh, one meter by 80 centimeters. Mm. I think that's the maximum size right now, but it used to be there are bigger plates. So, you know, you can go bigger size. We don't have many stones in Japan. Mm. I think we used to have uh, in history, you know, um, they used a lot of uh, stones for commercial printing. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I don't know where they where they went to. It's disappeared. Maybe somewhere in the ground you can find it later. I find that one of the most romantic things to me about lithography is the history of the stones. You know, and that yeah. they they have a lifetime that can, you know, depending on, on how much they're used, that can stretch beyond the human lifetime. And yeah. they have their own personalities and they have um, a history to them. Maybe it was Elizabeth Jean Yance when she was on and sh the podcast and she was talking about how the limestone, it's made of living things, you know? Uh -huh. So yeah. it's yeah. so this idea that, that this, this matrix that we use to create our artwork you know, from being countless little bits of life to being pulled from the ground to traveling around the world to having all kinds of different artists work on it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. really wonderful. And um, uh -huh. and I, I hope that, you know, we continue to get new ones. Um, uh -huh. I'm still trying to get an interview with the Bavarian Litho Quarry. Um, that's uh -huh. producing them. That's definitely on my list. I've been I've been putting some feelers out to see if I can get someone to connect me. But um, yeah. I might just have to go there. That you know, once I was there two years ago. Yeah, there was a kind of event in Mu uh, Munich. Uh -huh. It's called Lithography Days. Really? And, uh, I went to that event, and there's there was a tour to Zollenhohen. Oh, amazing. We went to the factory and we went to the quarry and they still producing really nice stones there. Yeah. So it's really nice uh, to see still they make really nice stones there. It's really far from Tokyo. You know, transport is more than 
it costs for the stones. I know. I guess. Yeah, that's the other thing about them is that, you know, they're definitely little pockets around the world where, you know, they've been they've been sent throughout the decades or yeah yeah at least in thailand and it sounds like in japan as well there just never has been like such a huge number of them that it's easy for artists to get them and uh-huh. it's funny when you said that they were underground because i think recently uh-huh. in the states someone were doing some construction or something yeah, on their land and, stones, right? and they found stones that people had just used <laughs> to fill in like a swimming pool that they didn't want anymore. And that absolute epitome of that, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure thing (laughs) because their lithography stones are something that, you you know, if they're a part of your life, they're incredibly meaningful to you. But if they're not, it's just, you know, it's just a hunk of rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those commercial printing company, they, they just dump those stones into the, you know, rivers or mm. wherever they, you know, find. Particularly because, you know, they're, they're natural. Like if you dump them into the river, okay, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit of littering, but it's not like dumping chemicals or anything like that. Yeah. So I'm sure they felt just giving it back to the earth. You could lose sleep thinking about all the beautiful stones in the world that somebody just tossed to the bottom of a lake i think <laughs> yeah so i'm hoping somebody find those stones from the underground yeah in tokyo i hope i hope so too maybe you could like train train a dog to smell limestone <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> you could send him out he's like yeah. you know like a, like a bomb sniffing dog but for limestone we could we could train them up and get them to find all the hidden yeah. litho stones sounds good <laughs> well yeah so that so you you decided to start your own collaboration yeah. studio so you'd saved right. up and right. you got your press and everything mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then how did you start from there like how did you start to build what you were doing did you know artists that you could invite did you take out advertisements yeah, yeah. and trade magazines how did that work for you right um you know uh, those technical part to setting up the uh shop lithography studio is not that difficult but um starting as a printing studio as a business is um it took me a long time to do it and so i just started because um i didn't know any artists here and I didn't meet any artists at the shop that I was working before. So I just started going around the galleries and uh, I just talked to a younger, you know, younger means that somebody, you know, close to my age because mm-hmm. I started my own biz- uh, printing when I was late 20s. So I started going around galleries to to meet those uh, artists around my age. And because those, uh, those artists, you know, young artists are still not belong to uh, galleries. Mm-hmm. So it's easy for them to come, you know, freely right. to make uh, prints. So um, I start talking to artists like this and um, maybe 50% of the artists I talked to them showed interest 
but maybe 10% of them really come to my uh, shop. Yeah. So, you know, I slowly doing this. And uh, those artists who came here and made uh, print, they, they, you know, tell others about what I'm doing. So gradually, uh, you know, many um, artists start showing some interest making prints. Yeah, that's how. And so you said that there there were other studios in Tokyo that were doing the fine art, like the not right. the the reproduction. Right. Were they working right. in lithography as well? Uh, there are some. Uh-huh. Uh, when I came back, um, you know, I moved to Tokyo. There are two printers from you know Tamarind. Oh, really? So uh, they, 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 yeah, they are already uh, working with artists. So, you know, that was uh, really surprising Mm, mm -hmm. and a good sign. Yeah. And other shops that are doing uh, interiors and uh, screen printing for artists. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was the 80s. So still, you know, um, there are many galleries and print shops doing really active until, you know, uh, the bubble has, you know, been busted. I was going to ask what that sort of contemporary printmaking scene in Japan is like now, uh-huh. um, and particularly with workshops like what you do, because it seems like my experience with contemporary printmakers and contemporary Japanese prints mm-hmm. is that it tends to be really really, really beautiful work, but there doesn't seem to be as deep a culture of Mm self-promotion that you find in Europe or America or Canada. Uh And so when you stumble upon them, it's almost by accident. You know, they're not necessarily out there, you know, using all the right hashtags on Instagram or making their perfect website. There seems to be um, incredible work, but it's it's harder to connect with uh-huh. than maybe other places. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Japan, we have a big history of ukiyo-e, woodblock, and uh, that was still, you know, many collectors are still buying those uh, old Edo period uh, prints. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think contemporary prints market is not that big compared mm-hmm. to the, those uh, ukiyo-e market. So um, still, you know, 80s was different because I think I remember uh, Ken Tyler had a big show in Yokohama. Oh, yeah. A really big show. And uh, one of the printing company bought those collections and still have them in a, uh, somewhere out, outside of Tokyo. Hmm. So that was kind of symbolic. Those are uh, big prints by uh, Tyler Graphics mm-hmm. in New York. You know, that was really um, shocking, you know, um, to see the size and and those art, famous artists, yeah. you know, got together and they, they did a really big show. That was a successful show, I guess. But um, that was just about the time the economy started 
change. And um, since then, I think uh, the, the number of print shops here in Tokyo is getting less and less. There are maybe not many shops that I know uh, in Tokyo. So um, it's, um, you know, it's uh, hard to say. It's interesting because if you said the, the Yukioe prints have such a huge presence right. in the timeline of printmaking. And, and I think, you know, when I was working at Davidson and I talked to a lot of people who come into the gallery and they didn't know what this was, you know, they're like, what, oh. what is this? Like, what, what is it? What does this mean? Etching? What does this mean? Aqua tint? What does this mean? Mm -hmm. Lithography? Mm -hmm. And when you're kind of trying to suss out what base level of understanding they have when they come in, because mm -hmm. you don't ever want to, you know, over explain or talk down to anyone. Mm -hmm. One of the things that they did know was Japanese woodblock. And so oh. if you're looking at like, oh, this is a woodblock print. And you'd, you'd say, they'd be like, what's a woodblock print? And I was like, well, you've heard of Japanese woodblock prints. And they'd be like, yeah, of course. So mm -hmm. it's it, it has this huge place even outside of the art world, even outside of the sort of uninitiated. And it's interesting because it almost sounds like it casts a little bit of a shadow over uh -huh. contemporary printmaking because that presence of those Edo period masters is still so strong. And so when people yeah, come yeah. to Japan to collect prints, right. they're maybe not thinking contemporary printmakers, which is really unfortunate because there's such beautiful work that comes out uh -huh. of Japan. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the print shop and at the same, same time, the galleries which um, sells prints are getting less too. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, um, that's how it is now. But I feel like, you know, that you still seem to be really active in your studio and you've got an amazing and informative Instagram that everyone should be following. <laughs> you post really incredible videos of process and the artists you have working. And it seems like you've got a pretty steady stream of artists who are interested in coming and producing work. And I know some of those as well you're doing at the university. So you've got the yeah. art students there. The uh -huh. kind of young generation of Japanese artists, are they interested in it? It seems like it from what from what I see. Yeah, I think some are, are interested in because um, contemporary art is big, especially in university, they really going into the contemporary conceptual thing. And uh, the university that I was teaching, they had very good studio. They had a huge uh, room for uh, lithography in Tario and uh, woodblocks and screen prints. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they are very open. So any student who are interested in just, they can come in and they can talk to the, you know, um, those who are in, uh, in church of, you know, doing uh, each uh, shop and they can just start making their own work. Then mm -hmm. they go back and to the painting room. Uh, the, the, it's it's Gedai, it's called, I, I call it Gedai, mm -hmm. which is uh, University of Tokyo Fine Arts. 
And uh, it's a big uh, university uh, in the middle of Tokyo. Good student. And they, there are many artists coming out from the university too. So that was an uh, interesting place to hang out with students. Yeah. And uh, I take those videos with my phone, you know, and um, they just put um, one minute uh, clip on the Instagram. Because um, when I started uh, doing my printing, you know, even when I was at the Tamarind, there are not many, not many um, uh, movies or, you know, videos that for the printing lithography. And I found, you know, just watching somebody else printing, it um, really helps a lot. And, and at the same time, you will see how different they, you know, other people are doing just mm -hmm. for printing lithography. I see lots of um, movies or videos from Europe or some, sometimes South, South America. And that uh, they... Some interestingly, they do a uh, different, um, slightly or sometimes very different way of printing, and uh, I really enjoy those, um, you know, difference that the people are doing. I think that's something that's so interesting and nice about printmaking is that it's such a process-oriented art, and so you get kind of. I don't know, two, two art for the price of one in the sense that you get, you get the finished product, right? You get this beautiful, this beautiful lithograph, but uh, the whole process of how you got there mm -hmm. is an art in and of itself. You know, there, you have to get the timing, right? You like, it's like a mm -hmm. dance, you know, it's collaborative, mm -hmm. all of mm -hmm. these different things. And knowing that that kind of openness Mm -hmm. that printmakers share is is really great. I think you probably know, but in one of the early episodes of Pine Copper Lime, when I talked to Patrick Wagner, uh, yeah, um, you came up as one of his first sort of early international correspondences about <laughs> lithography and as about yeah. someone who you could, um, you know, he could come see and learn different things from you. And mm -hmm. it's amazing how you know different stones different climates different paper different days they all affect how lithography reacts to things and really i feel like if you have a personality in which you like an ever moving target lithography mm -hmm. is perfect for you because <laughs> it will never be it will never be just something you can go on just total autopilot to right. to develop the stone or whatever it is you constantly have to be thinking about it yeah so that's why um, i started you know putting uh, lots of uh, short videos and you know um and that was a per perfect place in university because uh, each student sometimes do a uh, very interesting stuff so i just took a videos and, you know, um, see how different they are mm. each time. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, as you know, you're a collaborative artist, which of mm -hmm. course involves getting people together in one space mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. extended periods of time. How has like 
coronavirus affected what you've been doing? How has the lockdown been? Talk to me a little bit about what the recent months have been like. Okay, um, I finished teaching at this uh, Tokyo Geirai um, um, last February. And uh, then I was supposed to be te start teaching at Musashino Art University, uh, different university. But this corona virus things happens. And uh, I was supposed to be there in April, but I haven't been to the university at all. And they, you know, they, it's not this only this university, but every university here. Of course, uh, uh, in Japan, the new uh, class starts April, so they cannot start uh, classes, you know, and they kind of keep every university keep uh, postpone those dates. And uh, I just I was just waiting, you know, when it starts. Mm -hmm. But um, finally, they they I got a, a message that, that they will start shop in July. So um, I had to just wait and wait. I couldn't invite any artists around this time because, you know, we are supposed to stay home. Yeah. I cannot do anything right now. So uh, yeah, I could uh, send some plates to artists. I and I did some, and but I haven't really we, we haven't really started proofing or anything yet. It's not really still too early, I guess. Yeah. Because um, just in Tokyo, maybe twenty or thirty new infections reported every day. Yeah. So still too early to start, you know, uh, working with artists. Yeah. So what have you been doing with your your time? I saw on your Instagram <laughs> that you've been hanging out with yeah. badgers, well, right? I, like... I <laughs> run, run out of those biz, uh, videos, so I start, you know, picking up some of the works that I printed with artists in, you know, a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, starting print, you know, each uh, prints on uh, Instagram. <laughs> That's what yeah. I've been doing. Yeah. Well, and I, I did see that a, a Japanese badger came to visit you too recently. So you've yeah. got some yeah. some visitors in your life right yeah. now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they should stay home, but they come out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, aside from getting back in the studio and, and starting with the new university. Uh -huh. Is there anything else on the future that you're particularly looking forward to that you'd like people to know about? Well, I'm kind of um, have a one idea. You know, I right now I'm 62. Mm -hmm. So I start thinking maybe I should you know, um, do something about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'd like to maybe move out this small space mm -hmm. and um, maybe, you know, some shop that, you know, many people can have access to. Oh, yeah. Some, something like, a, 
you can go, you know, maybe you can print for in a long time. It's not really a commercial printing shop, mm -hmm. but uh, more like a communal shop. Yeah. But, you know, then I don't have to print myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I think, yeah, and having a shop that more people have access to, uh -huh. I feel like it would be really great as well in, you know, keeping this flame of contemporary Japanese printmaking going, um, mm -hmm. because it's just, you know, the more people come, the more people know about it, the more people mm -hmm. have access to these really specific set of equipment and chemicals and tools just yeah. the more life there'll be in that. And mm -hmm. it's, I just think that, like I said, Japanese print is so incredible that everyone should know about it and more people should be doing it. And it's just, yeah, it that would, yeah, sounds really uh, great. Right. Uh, yeah. Those those students who finished uh, in university, you know, they have no place to print yeah. in Tokyo. There are some uh, museum has its own uh, studio Yokohama Museum and Machida uh, Graphic Art Museum had their own uh, studio. Then you can go and print with press. But uh, it's very limited. So maybe, you know, in the future, I can have bigger space with, you know, a couple presses mm, for mm -hmm. those um, in print artists. Well, definitely let me know if I can help in any way. I'm always keen yeah, 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 yeah. to get involved Thanks. in projects and promote uh -huh. things. And I'm sure that if, I'm sure that my husband and editor who loves lithography would always uh -huh. be keen to come out for an extended period of time and help out and learn and just be part of the print community. So maybe we'll get a chance to do that sometime in the future. <laughs> Good. <laughs> that would Sounds be great. Good. That would be great. Well, before we totally sign off and say goodbye, uh -huh. would you please uh -huh. tell people where they can find you and see your videos and see badgers every once in a while and your archive and just when you get back in the studio and you start making the, the great documentation, where can they find that? Yeah, probably the best way to look at those uh, video is on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's called itazu, I-T-A-Z-U. And I think I have a uh, underbar and litho. Yeah, it, it's called itazu, underbar, litho. Beautiful. And yeah, you can find it. So I have um, uh, YouTube, but um, probably you can find it easy. And uh, yeah, um, around this time, I, you know, because I have lots of time, I started putting new uh, YouTube videos there too. Okay, great. Yeah. I feel like it's, the, yeah, the way it works is that Instagram is so much more convenient and you open uh -huh. it and it just kind of lets you know, but it, you really are limited by the length right, of the video right, in terms of right. how in-depth you can get. So right. what, I'll, what I'll do is I'll put a link to your Instagram in the show notes and to your YouTube so people can see yeah, the- thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, that kind of like quick, fun reveal. And then for people who really want to dive in and take advantage of some of your knowledge and your sharing and your documentation for the longer litho process, um, I'll do okay. the YouTube, yeah. <laughs> 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Domo arigato gozaimasu for your time. <laughs> and um, I really hope that we can work together more in the future and that we'll see you, see you in person sometime in the post-COVID world. It would be great to see you again. You know, yeah, so. that would be great. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, bye-bye. Well, that's our show for this week. Join me again next week when my guest will be Newton Paul. Newton is an independent researcher and archivist who has been piecing together the history of Cuban printmaking in the 20th century. And he'll introduce you to some incredible artists you never even heard of. Trust me when I say, you won't want to miss it. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing help from Timothy Pauschak and music from Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week. Thank you.